Let me tell you why you're here. You're here because you know something. What you know you can't explain, but you feel it. You felt it your entire life. But there's something wrong with the world. You don't know what it is, but it's there. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Seeker Podcast at Service of Change, where we challenge reality, question that which we've been taught in hopes of inspiring a new direction of thought to bring about change. I'm your host, Dennis Nappy II, with Service of Change. On this episode of the Seeker Podcast, I want to talk about the mummified body, the mummified three-fingered body found at Nazca. Some are calling it aliens. Some are calling it a hoax. Where does the truth lie? In my opinion, it's always somewhere in the middle. Before I get to that, this is a very special episode for me. This marks episode 100 of the Seeker Podcast. It's been an incredible journey for me. I've been enjoying this process, this program. Uh, It's been exhausting at times, but it's been something that's been educational for me. It's forced me to stay on top of a lot of things going on and realize just how interconnected all of this stuff is from the realm of the supernatural to the world of the natural. It's all tied in. It's all related. And there is more, I am convinced, to this reality than we realize. I started the push with this show to promote my up-and-coming book uh, and actually to launch my uh, my previous book, I Am Human and We Are Not Who We Think We Are, in preparation for Food for the Archons. And the show has evolved into so much more. I don't even think I mentioned the book on every show before. I used to introduce every show saying, make sure you go get my free ebook because I am trying to build my audience and build my following. But the show just took on a life of its own, which I'm so thankful for because, like I said, I've learned a lot. I've grown a lot as a researcher and as a speaker, at least I hope that I have. And, uh, you know, like I said, I've enjoyed the process. But I started this show, I had lost my job, and I started doing a daily show. And I did about, uh, let's see, 32 episodes one summer. Every morning I was getting up doing a show. I was trying to launch a radio station. I just didn't have the backing to uh, to keep it going. But I was doing a daily show for a while. And then I took some time off. And then I came back at it because I said, you know what? There's something to this show. This show matters. At least to me it matters. I think this information is important. And I think that from my perspective I have something to offer my listeners and my readers so I came back at it with a, a newer theory to me called the Flat Earth Theory. I watched the documentary Under the Dome, and I was fascinated by it. I'm still not a believer that the Earth is flat. But what I took away from that documentary was that, well, even though I don't prescribe to the overall claim that the, that the filmmaker was making, is that we can find truth in, in so many of these outrageous conspiracy theories that are out there. 
There are parallels. There are correlations. And we're so quick to just dismiss things if they sound outlandish and crazy. But I think we need... I like to delve into the world of the outlandish and the crazy because I think we can find some threads of truth in all of them. We can find some consistencies. You know, the great way to tell a lie is to hide it within the truth. So, or to tell, you know, and we see that in a conspiracy world, vice versa. There's such extravagant stories, but within they have threads of truth spread throughout there. So I try to delve into so many of those stories. And that's what I took out of the Flat Earth show that I did. If you haven't listened to it, it's one of my more popular shows. It's on there. It's on the SoundCloud, the service, on Service of Change. It's on um, iTunes as well. Go check it out. Because the threads that I found there, I think, I could do a whole other show just reviewing that information. But it really taught me that, you know, let's, let's be respectful of one another. We all had those claims that we're making, not all of us, but a lot of us had those claims that we're making that may sound crazy to some people that aren't used to it. But if we can just stop and listen to it, we may be able to find a common ground and we'll be able to find that instead of fighting with one another, we may be able to exchange information and to give the other person new direction or more evidence to support their claims. And at the same time, they may be able to give you more evidence and information to support your claims. But there's so many people out there who are so quick to troll or to criticize or to be negative, and it's a horrible thing when that happens. So I think that we can learn to work together. That's one of the biggest takeaways I've had here. We can learn to work together in this quest for truth that we have, because that's really all that we're after. We want to have this understanding. For me, it's not about being right. It's just about finding the truth. But I've done a lot of great shows, and what have I learned most in the past 100 episodes is that the world is not what it seems. And I tend to prescribe that this is more of a a digital holographic type of simulated universe than this physical reality that we think we exist within. I'm actually giving a talk. I'm excited to give a talk this summer coming up in August locally where I live. And it's called, Are We Living in the Matrix? Well, I'll be exploring not only our reality, the energies that exchange, but how we can manifest our own reality and the forces that may be influencing that reality as well. You know, speaking of which, I've been doing some research on my book, uh, you know, finishing up the final portions of it. And I came across just some more weird stuff in a U.S. patent search. That's going to be another show here. Some of the cell phone technology and the way it can, can interface with uh, with the neural networks in our brains is just really scary where things are moving toward. So I'll have more of that coming up in future shows, but I've had a lot of great things here. Um, you know, parallel worlds I've explored, uh, magic mushrooms, UFOs, contactees, empaths, did a lot of mind control stuff, really delved deep into the WikiLeaks um, dumps in regards to uh, John Podesta and his leaks, and, and could it mean that they were working towards disclosure with Edgar Mitchell? We, we found out that you know mainstream people, mainstream politicians have a strong interest in moving toward disclosure, and we explored that as well. We looked at Edgar Mitchell during the first set of uh, major WikiLeaks dumps during the campaign trail. And then I did a series on David Wilcock and, and Tom DeLonge where they make these fantastic claims that there's an advanced civilization in Antarctica and it's going to be released slowly that you know this civilization was there and it predates mankind and it's aliens and Tom DeLonge had a sim- similar outrageous claim but they've been silent. They claimed that all this information was going to be coming out and I've yet to hear any major follow-up in the ways in which they've claimed it. And that's frustrating for me because I don't think that you should make such claims unless you can back it up. And I've said it in another show and we see it in a lot of these conspiracy theories still. 
They claim to have a source, but they don't identify the source, and they don't give evidence that's concrete enough to stand on its own. So as much as I want to believe, at this point, I can't believe. And that's what I'm waiting for, is for that smoking gun to come out. As I've said before, I'm working on a new platform as well with my good friend, author Ray Davis of Anunnaki Awakening. He is working on getting on the show. Our schedules have just been pretty busy and pretty conflicting, but I'm hoping to get Ray on real soon so we can talk about this new platform that we have coming down the pike. We have uh, some guests lining up this summer to come on as well. We'll be talking about UFO sightings uh, and, and some other fascinatingly interesting subjects that I think have drawn you all in. So... I'm going to stop talking your ear off about uh, my excitement and my growth on this show, but thank you to my listeners out there. I greatly appreciate all of you, your, your, uh, your feedback, your contact, your comments, uh, you know, and your sharing of my stuff as well that has helped this show to grow into what it is because I've learned from uh, everything that you've all said to me, and I'm very thankful for that. Uh, I want to encourage you, if you haven't done so already, Sign up for the secret newsletter. That's the best way to stay connected. You'll never miss an episode that way. It goes right to your inbox because, again, social media is just, for me, it's such a complex beast to get it out to everybody. That's not a guarantee that you're going to get my stuff if you're signed up through the social media feeds. I'd like you to sign up through social media, but the newsletter is the best way to stay connected. And you get a free ebook out of it. I'm human and we're not who we think we are. It gets sent right to your inbox as well. Enough with the commercials. I'm going to skip the news today. Because uh, I'm short on time, but I also just want to talk about these Paracas skulls. Now, here's my frustration. Not the Paracas skulls, the Paracas body that was found. Now, these skulls out in, in Peru, near Nazca, is where this body was found. The skulls have come from there. You see these elongated skulls. And there's been debate back and forth for years over, are these skulls alien? Are they another form of human species? Or are they just deformed skulls? Now, we know that you know, uh, ancient cultures used to wrap the skulls to change the shape of them as the baby grows. The, the, the plates of a human head are, uh, are not fused together when a baby is born because they have to compress and elongate when they come through the birth canal. That's common knowledge. So if you wrap the skulls tightly enough, when they heal, they will heal in an elongated fashion. That's forever been the claim of what these skulls are. Now, I've covered this before. I've looked into this before. There were articles out there talking about the number of plates in the head. Now, from what I remember, it's five or six. I don't remember how many. Uh, the human skull has a certain number of plates. Apparently, I know... I've read this. I know I've seen it in documentaries. Some of these Paraka skulls have less plates in the head, which means it's most likely a different species. I'm not making the claim that it's alien because I think we need to explore terrestrial means first. Even if the DNA is so outlandish, there's always a chance that it's just an, an older species of something else that evolved on the planet. When we jump to alien, how can you say something's alien without finding evidence of a ship and a star map saying we're from this planet? I don't know how we can make that claim, but that claim gets made a lot because it gets attention and it gets headlines, but then it's so much easier to debunk. But I'm thinking strategically here, 10, 15 years from now, I still want people to look back at my stuff and say, you know what, Dennis is pretty credible. Even if he's wrong, he's making his best educated guess on the information that he has, and that's, that's how I try to conduct myself. So these skulls, I, my point in sharing this is, 
I tried to do some back-end research, and I didn't spend a lot of time. I spent about an hour trying to do some research here and, and look more into these skulls and find the information about these plates. I can't seem to find it anywhere because anytime you put in Paracas skulls, Peruvian skulls, all you get are the DNA tests because I want to say back, uh, was it 2016, 2014? 2016, they did DNA tests. I had the, one of the original articles from uh, Sunday, January 3rd, 2016. I covered this in my show on January 7th, 2016, but this was from Unknown Country, and, and it talks about how they did DNA tests, and the DNA tests come back non-human or with human anomalies. Can't say for sure that it's not human. They just said these were anomalies in the test. My point being now, the DNA stuff floods the internet, the Google search, so heavily that I can't find any of the other stuff beyond the DNA search because it got flooded, it got covered in so many different ways, fashions, and forms, both for it being non-human and against it being non-human. Now the other information is gone. Even when you put in the search string, Paraka skulls, plates, different plates, number of plates, I've tried so many different combinations the first 10, 15 pages are all DNA tests. So I really need to take my time and go dig through this. I know it's in some documentary somewhere. If you have information on these Paraka skulls, you know, having a different number of plates, please let me know. But this might be how information gets lost. Because I, I, in my professional opinion, the fact that there's a different number of plates in the skulls is a very good argument for them not being modern-day humans. But now this DNA thing, which... I think has been not fully debunked, but mostly debunked that it's not alien DNA, has flooded the internet, and now it gives the credibility of these skulls, which may not be human, as completely being a hoax or us being misled or misinformed or improperly handled. So it's another way to discredit something by flooding the internet with all this mess. And we, as the researchers, are in part responsible for that because that's how these, you know, and the other part is maybe the algorithms and Google as well catching it, but, and the consumers as well because people are looking for that. So it's a complicated mess that we've now gotten ourselves into. That's why I try to save when I do a show, when I cover something, and this was an earlier show that I did, so I didn't cover, I don't think I put all the links that I should have put in my research notes. But now when I cover something, I put it in my show notes. So somebody can go back to my show links at Service of Change, they can find the show through my search query, and they can put in and find a list of resources of things that I've talked about on that show. So we can go back and check those sources, because now I'm having a tough time finding out where I found it. So it's very frustrating for me. So I try to do that because I think it correlates, but I can't at this point in time. Again, recently claims were made that a mummified body of what some are calling alien, others are calling just non-human, were found in Peru. It's got an elongated skull and it has a three-fingered hand. Well, that raised a red flag for me, the three-fingered hand. Why? Because I did another show and we talked about this three-fingered hand that was discovered, and I think I just closed out of the link. Hang on a second. Let's see. Where is it? Uh, come on. You're killing me. All right. Here we go. This came from mirror.co.uk. Again, I've covered this before, but the title here is Giant, quote, Alien Claw Found with Warped Skull in Mystery Tunnels Deep Below Peruvian Desert. This was dated... Why is there no date on this one here? January 7th, 2017. It was updated on January 17th. There's a video here. I'll have a link to it. But it's a group of self-proclaimed paranormal researchers say they have found a giant three-fingered hand which they believe belongs to an alien or ancient humanoid. 
Now, this article kind of treads lightly, basically saying the claims have not been verified yet, and you know you can't necessarily trust it, but it is an interesting find. They did say that within the uh, the structure itself, there were six bones in the fingers, where the human bone only has the human hand only has five bones in the fingers. Now, what's interesting about this claw, if it is in fact a real thing and not a hoax, is that this three-fingered claw looks very similar to the elongated hand of this body that was just found. It's got three fingers on it. So, is there a correlation? Is it from the same species because it was found in the same area? These are things I think we need to to piece together as we're doing our research. Now, I need to dig deeper into this, or maybe you out there can dig deeper into this. Was it the same team that found the claw that also found the Peruvian mummified body? Because if it is, well, now we may have a credibility issue. Not saying they're not credible, but if you had two independent parties that found two corroborating pieces of evidence, that lends more credibility to it, as opposed to it's the same people. It could possibly be an elaborate hoax. I'm not saying it's a hoax. Okay, but this is uh, Fox News Science. I'm not a fan of Fox News at all, but it's a different source I'm, I'm going to cover use today. Hoax or not, three-fingered humanoid mummy reportedly found in Peru sparks skepticism. Three-fingered mummified body has been reportedly found in Nazca, Peru, with video of the reported body appearing on YouTube. However, researchers have expressed doubt about the discovery, with some calling it a hoax. According to the website Gaia, the body, which stands 5 feet 6 inches tall and appears to look like a human, has three long fingers and elongated skull and does not have ears or a nose. In a Gaia YouTube video, Professor Konstantin Korokatov of St. Petersburg University in Russia described the body as belonging to another creature, another humanoid. We're going to let you know if it's human, if it's not human, said a Gaia representative in the video. Jamie Musan, an investigative journalist from Mexico, introduced the discovery to Gaia filmmakers, who then investigated it further with a larger team. Doubts about the credibility of the body popped up immediately. Respect my opinion, this is fake, wrote one commenter on the YouTube video, reported to the MIB, quipped another re referring to the famous sci-fi comedy movie Men in Black. Now, okay, we're just quoting YouTube videos here, but... In an interview with The Express, British UFO, invest, uh, UFO author Nigel Watson described the body as a plaster cast model, dumbing it 110% fake. Uh, Snopes is also questioning the credibility of the discovery. And here we go. So there, there's a little bit more about this, but um, you know, testing is underway. I, I, I believe the Gaia report, the Gaia video, is a little more optimistic about this being something authentic. Um, you know, when you look at it, yeah, the, the body definitely looks like a plaster cast, but does that mean there's not actual living tissue underneath this plaster cast? The body was mummified and pre preserved, so um, I, I don't know. Now, carbon dating, I think they said here at the end of this article, show it from being from 245 to 410 AD, according to the Gaia video. But additional tests are underway, including DNA sequencing as well as a CAT scan. So this is, uh, you know, this is interesting. I, I'd be curious to find out more about this. Uh, let's see here. Snopes. Uh, let's see. Conehead human skulls found in Latin America are not from aliens, but from ancient culture that practice artificial... All right, that was back on the... I, I'm sorry, I'm just going through the articles I pulled in preparation for this show. Snopes debunks the elongated skulls being of alien origin, uh, but I did not see anything in here about them having more plates in their heads. So that's what's frustrating for me. Um, 
Okay, so it, it doesn't say anything about the uh, the plates in the heads. But I want to jump to another piece of uh, interesting information. They're claiming that this body, this mummified body, was found in, in uh, between, was it 245 and 400 A.D. I think that's an interesting time in our history. It brings a couple things to mind. I believe that's around the time that the Gnostics were being eliminated. Their knowledge was being, um, you know, got, gotten rid of. That's when the Gnostic texts, um, I, I think, started to get destroyed. I'm covering some of this in uh, in Food for the Archons. Because this is the time that Constantine was rewriting the Bible. He was holding a conclave and selecting which books are going to stay in the Bible and which books are going to come out of the Bible. Why? Because that's going to shape our faith, our understanding, our belief in the world. It's going to give him ability to manipulate and control people through religion. What some of those texts cut out is, I believe, not only part of our history, but our ability to interact with this I think what the Christians call the Holy Spirit, uh, what science is calling the electromagnetic field that emanates from the heart. I've done I've done a lot of research onto this in, into my book, but I think that's some of the stuff that was cut out because that's where a lot of our true power and communication lies. Why am I doing this? What does this have to do with this body that was allegedly found in Peru? Well, it's interesting that it's from that time period when things were trying to be preserved to save knowledge. We also, there's one uh, story that comes out that says the Library of Alexandria was destroyed during this time. I'm quoting from uh, ehistory.osu.edu. I'll have this link in the show notes, but an excerpt from it. The second story of the library's destruction is more popular thanks to primarily to Edward Gibbons, the decline and fall of the Roman Empire. But the story is also a tad more complex. Theophilus was a patriarch of Alexandria from 385 to 412 AD. During his reign, the temple of Serapis was converted into a Christian church, probably around 391 AD, and it is likely that many documents were destroyed then. The temple of Serapis was estimated to hold about 10% of the overall library of Alexandria's holdings. After his death, the nephew Cyril became patriarch. Shortly after that, riots broke out when Heriax, a Christian monk, was publicly killed by order of Orestes, um, Orestes the city prefect. Orestes was said to be under the influence of Hypatia, a female philosopher and daughter of the last member of the Library of Alexandria. Although it should be noted that some count Hypatia herself as the last head librarian. So, knowledge was being destroyed. I wonder... I have nothing to back this up. This is just me freestyling. But this is how we do investigations sometimes. you got to come up with theories and ideas that, then, based on some of the loose evidence that you find to then go and explore it and investigate it further. But I wonder if somebody said, hey, let's preserve this body in a way that it will be found one day to show that there's more to history because this is being cut out of history. Maybe they knew that. Maybe that's what's possible. Maybe not. The timing, I think, is interesting here. Now, there are, I'm sure, people who are more scholarly than me that can go on and, and quote these dates a lot better and tell me, Nappy, you're crazy, you're way off. Or maybe there's somebody out there who can say, you know what, maybe you're onto something. Maybe you, as my listener, has more information on this, and this is where we can work together. Send it to me so I can get it on the air, so we can do a follow-up. Or if you want to write an article and submit it and publish it at serviceofchange.com, I would love for you to do that. Or if you want to come on the show, if you're an expert, please. I- I'm calling for more information on this because I don't have it. And unfortunately... Once something gets out there anyway, it's so difficult to verify stuff because this person claims it's a hoax, this person tries to debunk it, and this theory comes out against it, and you just don't know anymore. So I want to find out for myself. So within my own community here, within our community here, let's figure this out. But these are some good, I think, some interesting research points if you'd like to take this further. 
I think this may be something here. Maybe not, but I think it's worth our time and attention in looking into it and exploring it. Uh, you know, overall, I think that our history is something uh, of, a, of a mystery, of an anomaly, and I've covered that on, uh, on multiple shows. Um, so I think it's worth our time and worth looking at. Something else that came across my way um, just this morning, actually, as I was looking into this through Unknown Country, I was looking at Whitley's journal, and I guess on a show called, uh, where are we at here, Midnight in the Desert with Heather Wade, there was a document, an MJ-12 document that was leaked to her from from her, quote, source that nobody seems to know who it is. That's red flag number one for me. But there's a lot of criticism of these documents now that they're talking about the uh, Aztec UFO crash of 1947. And even though the document has all these classification markings, it's over 30 years old. Um, you know, there are those now who are saying this document is, in fact, a fake document. But what Whitley Strieber is basically saying is that he found, as, and I was saying this in the beginning of my show, sometimes there's a story that's so outlandish, but it's got truth in it. And he, something resonated with him within this. And <clears throat> he thinks maybe they're releasing truth through a fictional story. And I just had the line that I wanted to read and I lost it because I was scrolling through it. But I'm just going to read some of it. I was told years ago by a, an absurd story by a U.S. Air Force retiree that the Roswell alien that was interviewed had only vestigial vo- vocal cords, which had to be reconstructed by Air Force surgeons before he could talk. Now, I have another alien from a nearby crash site, but this one can talk perfectly well. So which story is true? Or more aptly, is either story true? For a long time, the secret intelligence community has been planting fake UFO stories in order to cover up things like crashes and secret aircraft. That's not the only UFO st- sort of UFO story out there. Many of them are quite real. In other words, it's quite a mess, and this new document only adds to it. It's been roundly debunked by some people as a load of nonsense, largely because of all the misspellings and the generally slapdash quality of the whole thing. But, as seems so often to be the case, there might be a grain of truth here. I refer specifically to the claim that a number of dead human infants were found in the aircraft. According to the occupant, they were being placed with parents. This interests me because one thing I was told long ago but have never discussed because it seems so outlandish is that there was and is a baby exchange in which babies that have been altered genetically are switched with infants who are a few months old whereupon these babies proceed to grow up in human homes with the parents being none the wiser. Now, this is what I love about Whitley's because I feel that I'm on the same page as him uh, a lot of times. As I'm reading his stuff, I'm making the same conclusions and saying, oh, I can't wait to say this. I bet he didn't figure this out. And then two paragraphs later... He's drawn the same conclusion. Obviously, he's uh, a well-educated, well-read man. Um, you know, it just excites me that, that I'm, I guess, having the same line of thought as him a lot of times. Because this reminds me of uh, Graham Hancock's book, Supernatural, where he was quoting the work of Jacques Vallée, which is quoting uh, the research into fairy lore and the fairy folk, how they would do the same thing. They would call the babies, Whitley talks about it in here, the changeling. As Whitley said in Midnight in the Desert, you cannot fully understand the UFO phenomenon without also being conversant in the folklore of the fairy faith of Northern Europe. This is because whatever the origin of the presence we find among us, the fairy lore certainly reflects it also. Central to this lore is the idea of the changeling, wherein a human infant is exchanged without the knowledge of the parents or a fairy child. Often the replacement looks identical. The original child is never returned, and nothing is ever discovered about her fate. So, 
what he goes on to talk about, I'm going to paraphrase it here. I'm going to link to his journal entry so you can read it yourself. Um, it's a, it's a thought compelling read, but he's suggesting that human babies are being switched out. And there is stories of this dating back a long time. I believe my cousin had an issue. Um, I don't know the full, I got to talk with my mother and get the full story. So Mom, if you're listening, send me an email about this. But she told me a story when I was younger that there were, this is, I think this was back in Panama, that there was rumors of a witch being in town and that um, she was stealing babies. And apparently my cousin was wrapped up. He was swaddled up in a blanket laying in the center of his parents' bed. His mom left the room. He stopped crying she came back in to see if he had fallen asleep and she saw this witch standing at the window. And then the witch was gone and the baby was gone. He wasn't in the bed. So she searched frantically for him and ended up finding him under the bed, still perfectly wrapped. Had he rolled over or fallen, the way the blankets were wrapped would have come completely undone. Now, is this saying, oh, this was some alien that came to try to kidnap my cousin and switch him out with a new baby? No, there's no proof of that. To me, it's just an, an interesting personal story that may or may not correlate to something like this, but um, it, it just came to mind, and I'm just sharing that with you. So, Mom, uh, if you're listening, give me the details on that so I can update my facts in case I'm misquoting that story. Well, she'll probably tell me, Dennis, I've never told you that story before. You're making it up. That's probably how it's going to go. No, I'm just kidding. All right, so, uh, but back to this, you know, Whitley talks about his experience with uh, somebody who looked like an 11-year-old boy that, and he's talked about this in some of his books. I, I vaguely remember reading about it. Who followed him around, and this kid never aged. And he wonders, was this boy maybe one of his kin that was looking out for him as well? So, um, but the fear, the fear is, I guess, that these babies are being, you know, living with us because they're learning our ways, and that if there's a quote invasion, well, it's already happened, and they're already integrated within our society, and we have no knowledge who they are. Kind of like they live. We can't see who these these things are. We're raising them as our own, but in fact, there's some kind of hybrid that just happens to look like our children, and nobody knows what happens to the human children, where they go, and how they end up. So really um, thought-compelling stuff, because then you can tie a lot of this stuff into maybe some of the you know thousands and millions of children that go missing all the time, uh, maybe that's connected to there as well. I could take this. I could do a whole show on this, just thinking about this and and, and running with this as well. But uh, some interesting stuff, um, you know that I that I just think is worth our attention and worth our our research and looking into. So I'll have this link in my show notes as well up at Service of Change. I'm going to uh, stop running my mouth for now and let you get to it. I'd again like to thank you for taking the time to be with me. This is, like I said, episode 100 of The Secret Podcast. Here's to 100 more, wherever it may end up. I'd like to see this show continue to grow in listeners and followers as uh, you know I'm working on other things and bringing more people on board. So if you have an interest, if you think you can contribute or help in any way, please, I would love to hear from you because I'm very interested in helping to get this word out, get this research out, get this platform built even larger than it is. So... Thank you, my friends, for taking this journey with me. It has been educational for me, to say the least, and I've enjoyed every step of this process. Have a wonderful week. I'll be in touch soon. Uh, I'm going to close this out with another original song that I've put together. 
I uh, hope you enjoy it. It's just something fun that I'm doing. So I'll close this episode out with another one of my originals. Just another way to explore some creativity. That's all the time I have. I'm Dennis Nappy II. This has been the 100th episode of The Seeker Podcast, where small changes among the masses can have a massive impact around the world. I encourage you to be that change. Never stop questioning. And keep an open mind. Thank you.